Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. Forgive 
He knew that they were unaware That holy God was hanging there Oh, what an opportunity they missed They should have cried Right. 
and his mercy Angels are watching over me. 
my pillow was a stone and I've been through the darkest caverns where no light had ever shone still I went on cause there was someone down on their knees Lord I thank you for those people praying all this time for me Shall we? 
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. This morning, turn with me in your Bibles to a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially if you were with us in Sunday school this morning. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin together this morning in verse 8. As we focus this morning on the shepherds, as shepherds meet the shepherd. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, you have already stirred our hearts as we've spent time with you in worship. And Lord, now as we enter into your word, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts once again. Teach us anew and afresh from this familiar passage of scripture. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that you would help us to leave this place uh, better prepared to share, even over the next few days as we spend time with family and friends, to let them know why we celebrate Christmas, uh, what the true meaning of this time is. Uh, while we celebrate the coming of, of our King. And Lord, for those who may be here and they don't yet have that relationship with you, maybe they're skeptical even this morning, Lord, open up their heart. Help them to really hear from you, not from me, not from the preacher, but Lord, from you personally, from your word. And Lord, I pray that they would recognize that you love them and that they're a sinner, they're in need of the Savior, and that you're the only one that can bring them everlasting life. You're the only one that can forgive them of their sins. Lord, I, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross today, that only you'd be seen, that only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you think about it, Christmas can be a very dangerous time of the year. Um, you know, one of the reasons we might say that is, you know, Walmart this time of the year. <laughs> Robin sent me there yesterday, and I thought I was going to die. I mean... <laughs> Getting in and out of that parking lot is taking your life into your own hands, and that's the safest part because once you get inside, it's just hand-to-hand combat. Uh, But not just getting in and out of Walmart. Christmas can be a dangerous time of the year because of the Christmas story. You see, we can become so familiar with this story that we can sometimes lose sight of its preciousness. I had seminary professors um, who would warn us as students. We were, I mean, most of the time you'd be reading and studying 16 to 20 hours a day in seminary, and you were just diving into the Word of God. You were digging deep into doctrine and theology. And many times they'd say, you know, there's a danger here in what we call the seminary bubble, that we can become much like a jeweler, who handles those precious jewels each and every day to the place where they become so familiar that the jeweler might lose sight of their preciousness. The same can happen with the Christmas story. There's a danger that we lose the significance of the message because we're too familiar with it at times. Every year you hear me preach about Mary and Joseph, about the wise men and the shepherds and about the baby Jesus born and laid in a manger filled with hay. And if we're not careful, this annual handling of the precious truth might just cause us to take it for granted at times. 
We know all the details, and if we're not careful, our familiarity will cause us to overlook just how amazing that the Christmas story, the coming of Christ, truly is. And so on this particular Christmas Eve, I want to challenge you to see it again for the very first time. And so I want us to focus again this morning on the announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. To whom does God announce the birth of His Son? To whom would you expect Him to announce the coming of Messiah? We could see how God might have chosen to first announce the coming of Jesus to maybe Herod, to the king of that region. We could see how he might have made the announcement in a splendid way, in, in, in a ceremony, in the temple led by the high priest. But we have trouble understanding why God would choose to announce such a significant piece of information to this ragtag group of filthy shepherds out in the pasture. The announcement of the birth of the Son of God is not made to a king in a palace. It's not made to the priest in the temple. It is not made to the wealthy, to the movers, to the shakers, or to the most influential and important people in the land. No, the announcement of the birth of Messiah, of the one who would grow up to die on the cross for the sin of the world, was made to a group of shepherds. At best, the shepherds were common and ordinary men. They were not anywhere close to the social elite. And at worst, they were vile, dirty men who were, for the most part, social and religious outcasts. Most likely, these shepherds were tending their flocks just outside of Bethlehem. And by all accounts, they were tending sheep, being that they were being raised to be used for sacrifice later on in the temple in Jerusalem. They were the last group of people that you would expect God to make this kind of an announcement to, and yet they were the very group of men chosen to hear the glorious news of the Savior's birth. And so, if you will, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 2, let's begin there in verse 8 together. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You may be seated. The first thing I want you to see here is found there in verse 9 of, of Luke chapter 2. 
and it is the astonishment that they experience. The astonishment that they experience. The Bible introduces us to a group of shepherds who are out in the field at night, keeping a protective eye on the flocks in which they had been entrusted. And for them, this was just another ordinary, another boring night with the sheep. And then suddenly the sky is filled with an otherworldly light. An angel descends from heaven clothed in white so bright they could barely look upon it. The normalcy and the tranquil evening was shattered, and the Bible says that they were sore afraid. Now, that phrase, sore afraid, means that they were seized. Seized with great fear and with a desire to run away. In other words, these guys had a proper response to being introduced to an angel. They were terrified. And so, it's no wonder that they're terrified. I want you to imagine being who these men were in society in that day. And seeing what they were seeing. What stands out the most is the first part of this passage is just who receives this visit from heaven. The angels of God come to, at that time, what have been one of the most despised groups of people in the area. You see, he comes to people who were outcast from the respectable side of society. The honesty and the integrity of the shepherd in that day was so questioned that they were not even allowed to give testimony in a court of law in those days. Shepherds were so far down on the list of social outcasts that the only people who were considered at that time to be lower in the rung of society were leopards, were people who were so sick that they could infect you if you got near them. Shepherds were just one rung above the leopards. I believe that God chose the shepherds because he wanted to show us that his love and his grace are available to all. That he is not a respecter of persons. He does not show more respect to kings than he does to the hourly wage earner. You may think, if God, if he's even aware that I exist, well, you know, he, he probably doesn't have a, a very favorable opinion of me. Deep down, a lot of people feel that way. But no matter how insignificant that you may feel that God sees you, God knows you, and you're important to him. He loves you. In fact, the Apostle Paul explains this in the first letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In verses 26 through 28, he says this, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. I wonder, can, can you remember the astonishment that you felt when, when God came and he began to draw you to himself? I remember that. I remember that in Hardin, Kentucky, in 1989, as God began to draw me to himself, and I thought to myself, you want me? You want a relationship with me? Can you remember the astonishment that you felt? That's what these shepherds were feeling. The amazement they felt that God would choose to share this with them. 
It's an astonishing moment when God breaks into your life, but what a blessing that it is when He does. It is the first step to seeing your life changed forever. But the second thing I want you to see this morning is the announcement that they received there in verses 10 through 14. I want you to note that the message the angel brought from God spoke to the most immediate need of of these men. When the angel said, fear not, the Bible says that they were sore afraid. When the angelic messenger suddenly appeared, the shepherds reacted in what would be a completely normal response to seeing an angel. They were terrified. They were scared to death. But also I want you to see first that these, the announcement that they received was personal. This was a personal announcement. The angel said, unto you is born this day. The message from heaven is that God is interested in the individual. He's interested in you. Yes, he came for the sins of the world, but he also came for your sins to die for you as an individual person. He cares about you. And when the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, he came as the Savior of the world, but he came specifically as a Savior for individuals, for men and women, boys and girls who have specific names and specific lives. He came for you. And I praise God. I rejoice when, when I think about the fact that, that God died for the sin of the world. That's an amazing thing. But I almost lose control when I think about the fact that God would choose to come and to die for me. You know, I can understand maybe for the world because there's a lot of important people out there. But when I think about me, you chose to die for, for me? What an amazing truth that we see here in the way that he shares with the shepherds. But also we see the announcement they received was powerful. The announcement they received was powerful. The angel speaks to them about a baby. And not just any baby, but a very special baby. A baby that is identified by three very special names. The message of the birth was was not unusual, but the message of this birth was extraordinary. Because this child was different from every child that had ever or would ever be born in the world. The titles that are given to him by the angel declare his uniqueness and the fact that there will never be another like him. He said he was called Savior. He's to be called Savior. He is the one who would give his life for the sins of his people. He's the one who is robed in his deity and humanity, and he came into this world to die on a cross for you and for me. He is the one who came to do what all the sacrifices and blood that was shed in the tabernacle and the temple could never do. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14, we're told, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I thank God. He is the Savior of all who will believe the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 tells us, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially for those that believe. But also he is called Christ. This word tells us that he is the anointed one, that he is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the one promised from the beginning. He is the one that there in Genesis 3.15 was promised, would come and would crush the head of the serpents. 
He is Jesus Christ, the Christ. He is the one prefigured in all of the sacrifices of all the Old Testament prophecies. He is the one God said would come. He is the one the Jews anticipated every time they offered a sacrifice, every time that they kept a feast. It was looking towards the Christ. He is the one for whom the world waited. But also he's called Lord. Lord. That title identifies him as the sovereign God. This little baby was the one who spoke the universe into existence. This little baby is the one who formed man out of the dust of the earth and who breathed life into his nostrils. This little baby is the one who controls the paths of the planets and of every galaxy, but yet this baby is also the one who permits the movement of every minute particle in the universe. This little baby is the Lord of all. And yet our mighty Lord lies in Bethlehem in the person of a helpless little baby. What condescension, what grace, what love, what glory is seen in this baby. To think that Almighty God would humble himself to come into the world as a helpless little child so that we might be saved. And you too may have a heart filled with fear this Christmas. Fear about your health, fear about your family, fear about your job security, fear about the economy, fear about the condition of the world and what we see on the news every single day. But we need not fear, for we have good tidings of great joy. And why is that? It's because the Savior was born. The one who answers every one of our questions was born. Scripture has been fulfilled. Christ is Lord, and Christ is Lord over all. And so we fear not, because he brings us great joy. Notice, too, this news will be to all people. This news is not just for the privileged few. He didn't just bring it to King Herod. He didn't just bring it to the high priest in the temple. This news is not for the privileged few. Scripture says, whosoever will, let him come. It's for all men, all women, all boys, all girls, from all ethnicities, from all corners of the earth. Jesus came to pay for the sins of all who would respond to his message of salvation. He is available to all, regardless of what your past looks like. If you're still breathing this morning, you can be saved. Because he came for all. And after the angel's reassurance that they need not fear, verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You see here, there was a heavenly flash, and then angels surround the shepherds who are already bewildered by, by what this first angel has said. In the words of multitude here, it doesn't refer to 50 or 150 or even to uh, you know, 1,500. No, it refers to a number beyond counting. In other words, from horizon to horizon is filled with a heavenly host. You would be amazed. You'd be bewildered. You'd be terrified as well. And then the heavenly host began to sing. They began to sing praises. And it says in Job 38, 7 that at creation, the angels sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And now they join voices again to welcome the birth of the Savior of all mankind. And the sign to them is that they will find the Christ child lying in a manger. There might have been other babies in Bethlehem. There might have been other babies born that particular night. But none of those babies were lying in hay in a stable. 
No other baby in Bethlehem would be found in such a crude feeding trough. Only the Christ child. But thirdly, I want you to see the acknowledgement they, they offered in verses 15 and 16. The shepherds hear this message of the angel, and they react. And how they respond to that message altered the courses of their lives and for all their eternity. Notice what they could have done. What they could have done. They, they, they could have debated it. That They could have, have sat down and analyzed what they should do. Could, could they afford to leave the sheep? What if, what if something happened while they were gone? Talking and talking and more talking. Sometimes we actually talk ourselves out of responding by faith. Well, what would that mean? What if we did that? What, what, what are the consequences of if we did that? Did God call us to do it? Then do it. Respond in faith. They could have rejected it. They could have said, well, that's not for me. The message is just too unbelievable. Some people believe the gospel message is just too far-fetched to believe. And so they reject it out of hand. They could have dissected it. They could have said, what's well, too far to Bethlehem? That's a long way. This message is just asking too much of us. And oftentimes we reject what we think demands too much of us. They could have doubted it. They could have ignored it. They could have had any other number of excuses would keep them from checking out the story that they had just heard from a multitude of a heavenly host. They could have said, it can't be like we were told. In fact, why should we have been told at all? We better just forget about it. They could have done that. But the shepherds chose to do something different. The shepherds chose to do something that all of us have to make a decision about. The shepherds chose to believe and to act on that belief. Their faith is revealed in their words. They said, let us go and see these things are true. They had to make an action. They had to make a step. They had to put one foot in front of the other. They said, let us now go and see this thing that has come to pass. They responded, and that response was in pure faith. They believed what they heard, and they responded. It's not enough to hear about Jesus. It's not enough to look into the manger and say, oh, how nice, how sweet, this, this touching scene. It just gives me warm, good feelings. The truth is, is that if Jesus were born in Bethlehem a thousand times over, and he's never been born within your heart, then you are still eternally lost. Because warm, fuzzy feelings will send you to hell. Only belief and action saying, I will believe in you, I will place my faith in you, and I will follow you, will save. You can get all the sentimental feelings at Christmas and have all the warm and fuzzies, but if Christ is not born in your heart, it's a mockery of the reason that he came. He came that you might be saved. What they actually did is what changed their lives. They simply took the message at face value. They went to Bethlehem to see the Christ child who had been born. And that's the only response to God's invitation that will bring salvation to a single soul. When the message comes to a lost sinner, it's a very crucial time. Either that sinner will heed the message and they will go to Christ, or that sinner will reject the message and they will continue in their sins and they will come up for every reason why they shouldn't believe, why it's not rational to believe, why just foolish people are the only ones that believe. They reject Christ and it's too late because they harden their hearts. What they do with the message of the gospel determines how they will live out the remainder of their earthly lives and it will determine where they will spend the eternity 
after this. What you decide to do with Jesus. John 8, 24 tells us, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. That's what makes Christmas so critical. To receive the message of the gospel means a changed life in this world for the believer. It also means a change of eternity for them when this life is over. And so the question that must be asked and answered for every single last one of us, some of us have already answered it, but others are still waiting to answer. What have you done with Jesus? But lastly, I want you to see in verses 17 through 18 and then in verse 20, the advancement that they enjoyed. The advancement that they enjoyed. You see, the shepherds hear the invitation, and they respond, and they head to Bethlehem. Verse 17 says, and when they had seen it, hearing about Jesus is one thing, but seeing him for yourself makes all the difference in your life. If you've never seen Jesus, there's a problem. You see, when you meet him for yourself, you're going to want to tell others, aren't you? Some of us have heard about Jesus, and we still don't believe. But when you have seen him, when you've seen what he, what he can do and what he has done and what he will do inside of you, when you've seen him for yourself, it makes all the difference and it changes everything. When you see him, when these shepherds met Jesus, they were promoted. They were promoted from shepherds to evangelists. You see, God took these rough, coarse shepherds and he sent them out with a message of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. As the first evangelists of the New Testament era, they did not emphasize what it was like to see an angel, or what it was like to hear an angelic choir. No, they, they didn't talk about how frightened they were and, and, and the feelings that they had when they saw the angel. Their main interest was in reporting what was told them concerning this child. It was about Jesus and all about Jesus. On the way back to their fields, they told everyone they met, about this baby that had changed their lives and eternities forever, about the message the angels had given them. And when we meet Jesus for ourselves, we want others to meet him as well. There is a desire birthed within us to see our friends and to see our family members, to see our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and our acquaintances brought to faith in Jesus Christ because he changes everything. And we want them to experience that as well. I wonder how many of the people they met in verse 18 to see what all the fuss was about. How, how, how many of them came out? I, I like to think that maybe some of those people walked into that manger and, and they humbled themselves as well before the Lamb of God. Because of the, the, the testimony of shepherds that wouldn't even be accepted in a court of law, they took the word of those shepherds and they too went to meet this baby named Jesus. We never know who will respond in faith to the gospel message. But our duty is to tell them it's God's business to save them. Someone told me I had to see for myself. Somebody told me about Jesus and I had to, I had to meet this one who they said could make such a difference. And that's why I'm here preaching today. That's why I'm able to go and tell people throughout Marshall County and throughout the state of Kentucky. It's the reason I'm able to go to places like East St. Louis and Montana and Eastern Kentucky. It's the reason I'm able to go to places like the riverbanks of, of Brazil and tell people about Jesus is because somebody told me. And I went and I met him. 
And he changed everything in my life. And I want him to do that for others as well. You see, let's remember who these shepherds are. They're real men. They're crude and tough. And you probably wouldn't want your sister or your daughter dating them. I mean, that's the kind of guys these guys are. But the celebrating that these shepherds were doing was not the artistic praise spoken by the cultured or the quiet reflection of a scholar. No, when the Bible says that they were glorifying and praising God, they were doing it the only way they knew how. Loud and and, and with a lot of energy. It's like me in a Murray State game. I mean, I don't know how to be quiet. I've tried. I really do. I try. But it's the only thing they knew to do. They were praising with everything within them. Because it's who they were. And I believe that that kind of worship and that kind of praise brought a smile to the face of the Father. That's the way he wanted his son to be welcomed to this world. With excitement. They met the Lord and it filled their hearts with excitement. The same is true with us. Meeting him fills the soul with praise and of his glory. Verse 20, it says that the shepherds who had seen such wondrous sights had to go back to the ordinary though. You see, they, they didn't stay with Mary and Joseph and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives like the disciples would later. No, they had to go back to the pasture. They had to go back to the dirty, stinking sheep, to an ordinary life. And that's true for each and every one of us. Ministry is done sometimes in the ordinary parts of life. The Christmas season is an exciting time. We love to have up the trees and the decorations and the family get-togethers and the turkey and the ham and the casseroles and the pies and the cookies. We love Christmas. It's an exciting time of year. But guess what? It's going to pass. And you're going to go back to the factory. You're going to go back to the school. You're going to go back to the hospitals where you work. You're going to go back to the fields where you work. And it's going to be ordinary, you might think. And when the fun and the excitement's over... When we return to our jobs and our responsibilities, what do we do then? The shepherds returned so full of what had happened in their lives that they could not keep it to themselves. They began sharing the good news with everyone that they came in contact with. What do you think that means for you? It means that as you go back to the factory, as you go back to the school, as you go back to the field, as you go back to the hospital where you work, as you go back to the stores where you work, that you're going to come in contact with people. And if Christ has made a difference in your heart and in your life, if you've truly met him, if you've experienced what it is to come in contact with the God of all creation, and if he's changed you, then you should be telling others as well about all that you've seen and heard. Just as the shepherds. If we can simply encounter Christ at Christmas and throughout the year, we'll never be the same. If you truly encountered him, truly come in contact with him, where he's changed your heart and your life, it'll make a difference in the lives of the people around you as well. You see, being a shepherd was lonely. It was a weary, usually very boring, tedious job, sometimes interspersed with very dangerous periods as a, maybe a, a wolf or a bear came in to try to grab one of the sheep. You know what kept these shepherds going? You know what kept them going day after day? It was hope. God had promised his people that one day that he would send the Messiah. And when that Messiah came, they were promised that it would change everything. Everything would be different. It was that hope that burned in their hearts and kept them going. And when those shepherds met God, everything changed. Everything got better. Did their their circumstances change? Were they not shepherds anymore? No, they were still shepherds. 
But something was different because they had met Jesus. Something had changed forever. How about you? There's times when life becomes hard. It can be very weary. But meeting Jesus injects hope into our lives. I thank God for his gracious gift. There are times when we wonder if it's worth it all to keep on keeping on. But the Lord has promised that one day he's coming back for us. And everything's going to be different. He's coming for all of us. Shepherds and kings, wise men and peasants. He's coming for everyone who knows him. He's coming for his people. And he will dry all the tears and take away all the pain. And there will be no more death and no more goodbyes. And then we will say it was worth it all. But we have friends and family and co-workers and classmates. And they don't have a relationship with Christ. And we are to be telling them as the shepherds did. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't yet know Christ. You don't know the one who came, who put on flesh and who dwelt among us. You don't know the one who lived a sinless, perfect life. You don't know the one who went to the cross of Calvary and died in your place, who shed his blood. I want you to think about that. It's not just, don't think about it, oh, that's the story. No. I want you to get to a personal level, folks. If you've lost this morning, and you've never thought about what Jesus did, think about it. Stop just glossing over it. Think about what Jesus did for you. He died. He shed his blood for you. In the last couple of weeks, I've tried to share with some people who have made a mockery of that. And it breaks my heart. Because they don't understand what it means. If you can make light of what Jesus did, then you don't understand what it means to have someone die for you. Yes, he died for the sins of the world, but he died for you that you could be saved. Can you really just push that to the side and not think about it? Think about it today. He came to die for you. We had a screen during our time of worship through song this morning. It had the, had the manger with the crown of thorns. Think about that. That baby came to die for you. That's God in the flesh who came to die for you. If you don't have a relationship with him, what is your excuse this Christmas for putting it off? Why would you put off having a relationship with Christ? I'm begging you today. Recognize you're a sinner. Recognize that you are in need of a relationship with Christ. And come to him today. He will save you, and then he will send you to share that message with others. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you we thank you for the message of the shepherds that changed their lives forever and that changes each and every one of us when we truly understand what it means to know that God came for us, that you put on flesh, that you dwelt among us, that you died for us, that you rose again. Lord, thank you. Lord, and this morning I know there are many needs. Some of us need to come to this altar and pray. Some folks need to get saved today. Maybe others need to make this their church home. But Lord, I pray that we would be obedient, that we would come and we would make the decisions that you've called us to make. And Lord, that we would truly be able to celebrate this Christmas for what it is, a celebration of the coming of Christ. Lord, we love you. We're going to praise you and thank you for what you do in advance. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 
527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m., and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m., with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.